it's just scary that I might be telling a joke for the fifth time. That's what's scary. <laughs> ah. Welcome, Sir Bruce. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Halloween. Keep going. By the time they hear this, it won't be. No, we're going to put it out tonight. Oh, you're going to put it out tonight? Yeah, we'll put this out tonight. Like, oh, cool. We're going to scare everyone. To think that this, this is our last issue and and put it out tonight so yeah. this is like live as live as Allo, as <laughs> guitar wank can get yeah they they busted scott for handing out condoms on halloween they to did li- to little kids yeah <laughs> really? yeah they did when was that just didn't you read in the papers oh damn scott hey I'm, I'm gonna go b- bail him out after this That'd i figure a couple of i think he'll enjoy a couple of hours in jail so <laughs> As long as he doesn't drop the soap. Yeah. Good on you, Scotty. Yeah, Scott. You know, you teach those guys a few things in jail, man. <laughs> um, you were just about... I'm I just sure got they'll a all be big Warren Shorter fans by the time he's done with them. <laughs> I just got a haircut, and you're, you're about to tell me a haircut joke. Yeah, well, you know, that haircut looks pretty nice there, Troy, you Thank know. You. I wonder if they make them that way for men. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Expect nothing less. That was a good one. I like that. Uh, anyway, so this woman goes to the hairdresser for Halloween, and she's so excited, and she says, I'm not going to be here for my next appointment. And the hairdresser says, why? And she says, because uh, I'm going to Italy. He says, oh, you don't want to go to Italy. Italy's horrible. You know, it's like, oh, man, it's overcrowded, and the food's terrible. I mean, it's not like the Italian food here. It just sucks. She goes, oh, well. He says, well, like, what airline are you taking? And she goes, uh. Well, taking, you know, Continental. He says, Continental, that's the worst airline. They merged with the United... Oh, they're the worst, man. You know, they have the oldest planes and the most... It's just... Oh, man. Just... Oh, sorry. And the, the tra- Oh, God, it's going to be so bad. And she goes, well, whatever. She goes, he goes, what are you going to do when you're there? Well, you know, we're going to see the sights, but the main thing is we're going to get a chance to have an audience with the Pope. And he goes, oh, yeah, audience with the Pope. You know what that is? And she goes, what? And he goes... Man, that's where like thousands of people go and sit on picnic benches, and you, that you have shitty food, and it's it's awful, and you're treated like cattle, and the Pope just comes out to a window and waves at everybody. And boy, this he goes, oh okay, well, this is well, you know, okay, well, I'll see you on my you know next appointment, not this one coming up. Is okay, and so like. About a month or two later, she's back for her appointment, and she's sitting there. And he goes, "Oh, uh, how was how was Italy? You know, how was your trip?" She goes, "Oh," and he says, "Yeah, like like how how was the flight?" She goes, "You're not going to believe this. Continental had this new plane out, and they picked three people to go in first class, and they picked me, <laughs> and I went in first class. It was so great, man. The food, the drinks, everybody treated me so good. It was great." He goes, "Well." How about Italy? She says, it was amazing. The people are so beautiful there. The food was so good. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't gain 25 pounds. She says, wow. The hairdresser says, wow. She says, well, what about the Pope? What about the thing with the Pope? He goes, oh, that was amazing. It was a really small group. We all got together. We had, you know, we had lunch. And then uh, they picked out five people who would get to talk to the Pope. And they picked me. And wow, so what did you do? Well, you know, we went in the little chamber and then each one of us got to go up and kneel and he would, you know, bless us and then he'd 
whisper in our ear. And the Pope did that to you? She said, yeah. So you like went up and kneel and he like blessed you and he whispered in your ear. And she says, yeah. And the hairdresser goes, well, what did he say? And she said, oh, he asked me who fucked up my hair. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Diane, thank you for introducing us with a lovely joke, so Bruce. Uh, anyway, Bruce you know, I, I, I have a feeling I've already told that one here, but you know, it's been a year. Too. I can't. Yeah, I can't stop those. I can't stop jokes anymore because I got I got yelled at last time. I yeah, the but joke. do you remember that one? When yeah. I was ta- okay, so you see, <laughs> you see, you should have stopped that one. No, that, that no, one was too to, long. I wanted to hear it going. Anyways, trick or treat. What did you get for trick or treat? I got. Um, I got a rim job. No. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Uh, I got I got to deliver. Hang on, I got to deliver something. No, I just got a rim job on my car. I mean, I didn't know where your, a your rim, mind was. A rim job? No. Um, I don't even know what a rim job is. Wait, we, I didn't really get anything for Halloween. Uh, it's funny, when you have kids, you, don't, you, you just don't go out yeah. and do anything for Halloween, except you trick or treat. Yeah. Like year, did, years did ago, you when you were single... That was the night you go out, you try and, you know, meet as many lovely ladies dressed up like uh, prostitutes because uh-huh. that's what a lot of ladies do in uh-huh. Hollywood anyway. No, they Fun do times. that every day. How do you know it's Halloween here? <laughs> yeah, right. In Hollywood. <laughs> I was like, I love your costume. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, really. <laughs> Not a costume. <laughs> I've asked you for too much. Um. I'm really excited to be going to New York. I'm going to be playing Monday night at a club called Mesro. And I'm playing with a great singer named Hilary Gardner. And that's always a lot of fun. Shows are at 7.30 and 9 o'clock. It's in the West Village. And uh, 10th Street, right near 7th Avenue, I'm pretty sure. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's usually Monday night, the late show, Paolo, you know, yeah, Paolo Degrassi is gonna play. Uh, he's he's gonna be the Degrasso. I mean, goddamn, I don't even know where I taught eight hours today, and I'm talking to myself and feeling really weird and self conscious about it. So those of you that are listening, go easy on me. Anyways, you know who I'm talking about, and he's going to be playing the late set. So come and make it a guitar hang. But I'm really super, super, super excited because the Red Guitar is going to be doing a show off-Broadway at the Green Room 42. Yes, the Red at the Green. The Red Guitar at the Green Room 42 in the Theater District. It's the Friday night, November 8th at 9.30. The Green Room 42. I already said that. You can get tickets online. And it would mean the world to me not to really bomb in New York City. It would just, uh, I don't know if my ego can take a fail, an, an epic, whoops, an epic fail like that. That was, that was one of my balls falling on the floor. <laughs> and, and if you hear the next one hit, you'll know how desperate I am for you or some friend of yours or proxy to make it to the show. So uh, help me out here. Uh, I'm... I want to get, uh, I'm working on a new new thing. You know, I'm sure I've talked about it. It's like, I can't decide whether to call it ball talks or scrow talks. Uh, it's a new new system for getting rid of the wrinkles down there. So um, there what can I say? I've begged, I've screamed, I've cried. You know, 
I've been practicing the show. I'm real excited about it. Got some new stuff in it. Please come to my gig. Don't make me quit music and have to get a real job. Be too late to get a real job now. Well, this podcasting thing ain't working out too good. I think I think the last person left after me begging so much. So, anyways, now we can get on to the real important stuff that they want to hear about, like like politics. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Anyways, so remember Monday, the fourth, Mesro, Friday the eighth, the Green Room, forty two at nine thirty. Thank you. And I feel like I'm at one of those NPR pledge drives or something. Oh, next, you are. Thing I'm, next thing I'm going to do is like guilt people. Well, you know, you always get <laughs> just just fucking come or send send your look. If you don't want to come and you don't like me anymore, send your enemies. Oh, you know, I'll send a shout out to Jeff McElane. Okay, who's in New York? He's in Brooklyn, I think. Jeff, you in Brooklyn, mate? But does he listen to the show? Ah, oh, every episode. Every episode. Every episode. Everybody says. I think no. I think he does now and then. No, I think every episode. But Jeff is in, uh, he's in Brooklyn. So, Jeff, maybe your students, you could pass along to your students. Uh, who else out there? Jason Laughlin, another great guitar player out there, great teacher. Jason, love your work, mate. Maybe you uh, could come down and see Bruce, have a chat, have a beer. Um, anyone else in Brooklyn? We've got a lot of Brooklyn yeah, fans. Yeah, but it's, the show's in Manhattan. People, yeah, go, people in Brooklyn are too hip to go to Manhattan. Nah, that's just it. Fucking subway ride and yeah. right there. there you Don't go. you have to have a passport to do that or something? You need, yeah, no, you're right. You'll be yeah. right. You'll be right. You can get there. Anyways, so my luck, you know, they'll. I'll turn up. There'll be a bunch there. There'll be a bunch of guitar wankers there. Anyways, I sure hope so because, uh, like I say, what's your debut on Broadway? This, this is yeah, my kind of my dream come true. So this can, is it. One of them. <laughs> The other was trick or treating, and you know, and having certain people answer the door. You know, my biggest one. I, I dressed as a cable guy. Not one porno movie happened <laughs> all night. My big when I first I should have done the pizza thing, right? <laughs> you should have done that. But one one of my biggest thing and me all my mates when I first come to Los Angeles was every Halloween we would just wrap our brains on how can we get to the Playboy Mansion. Halloween party, we and we know people that would go and we'd have they'd have connections. But as a man trying to get in there, you had to you had to kind of be somebody. You could be a hot chick and get in there pretty easy, but guy, we never managed to pull that off, unfortunately. So yeah. we got close. Wow! But uh, yeah, no how is getting close? What does close mean? Well, I did. I ran into um, Hugh Hefner's son once. Um, I think he was trying to hit on my girlfriend at the time. So, but so I didn't really have that that sort of bro connection with him for him to go. Hey, you should come to the. Yeah, right. He he invited my girlfriend, but not me. But anyway, oh. another story. So there you go, my Halloween stories. Yeah, so, well, have you yeah. got any scary stories for scary um, stories for Halloween? Yeah, um, like scary scary well, road stories. Have you ever been? You've been held up before? Yeah, yeah, I've been held up. You've been mugged. Uh, I guess it's a, sort of the same thing, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I've had attempts. You've had attempts. Yeah. If what on the going to a gig or coming home from a gig? Uh, one was God. I was really young. I was um, at a bus stop in San Francisco, and once I was um, in a uh, in a hallway in a hotel in Italy. Wow. 
Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Worked out. I got lucky. I, I had exit strategy. Yeah. It's good. No ghost stories? No. Go- well, you know, I, I think I have kind of flirted with the paranormal a couple really? of times. Yeah. But and nothing nothing like malicious. No. No, but like eerie? Like, whoa. What the- yeah, yeah. Once the door to our house, which was locked, yeah. just opened. In the middle of the night. Really? We were, me and my wife were in bed. We're laying in bed. I think we were kind of asleep and we heard the door just sort of open. Wow. And, and um, I perceived that, I even said it, I kind of out of sleep. I said, oh, Helen left. And she was the woman who built the house and died in it, you know, before we bought it. And I thought her, she was just leaving. You know, we were, we, you know, we'd moved in and she was cool with us and it was time for her to go. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it felt like. Was it a little, little eerie? The, no, I really didn't bug me at all. The missus didn't. Sh- no, no. She didn't get. No, we're, I'm not. No. You know, I had one that was felt pretty hardcore at the time, and I still can't explain it. So me and me and the uh, uh, old girlfriend were laying in bed, right, and we're just about to doze off, right. We're just about to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, it's just us two there. All of a sudden. Someone is laying on my chest and has their hand over my mouth. That's what it feels like, right? The first thing out of my mouth is, get the fuck off me, right? My first inkling. Didn't know what was going on, just, get the fuck off me. But it sounded like, get the fuck off me. Yeah. Someone was... I I could not move. I was paralyzed, my whole body, completely paralyzed. And I felt the weight of someone on my chest. Whoa. For like three, four, five seconds, right? And then woke up and freaking out. My girlfriend's next to me, what the hell's going on? And I researched this, and apparently this is this has happened to a lot of people where they've had this this thing happen, and there's some word for it, and blah, blah, blah. But the weird thing was, 20 minutes later, the exact same thing happened to my girlfriend, and she went through it, and it freaked her out, like she lost it. But it was so real. It actually felt like someone was laying on top of me and they put their hand on my mouth. Whoa. It was really crazy. So that was... That and this was, is in LA here? This is here in LA. It was at, Yeah, it was at this house that we, we stayed in. So um, it was so real. It was crazy. That, that experience and one night coming home from um, a cover gig I was din- doing uh, at a casino on the border of Utah and Nevada near Wendover, where the, yeah, I the know that salt place. flats are. Yeah, I know The high-speed record for salt flats and that. And we're coming back in the middle of the night, might be three in the morning, kind of, it was around just after Christmas, we're coming back, and we see all these lights coming in over us. We're like, what the hell is that? So we pull over the side of the road, and we get out, and I, it was pitch black, and these big V lights, and they're moving super slow, and I felt like you could, if I had a flashlight, I could shine it up and see what it was. But this thing was huge, and there was a bunch of them, and it flew over the top of us, and we got out of the car, and not a sound. You couldn't hear an engine, nothing. It was dead quiet. And these things were like, you could almost feel like you could touch them, and it was huge. And then years later, I researched that, and that was those, like, the Phoenix lights and all that kind of stuff. Those what? There was a whole thing where... All these people saw the Phoenix lights, all these lights over Phoenix and that area at that time. 
Yeah, but it was Wendover crazy. Was I couldn't way explain. Way far it. north of that. What's that? Wendover's way north of that. Yeah, but it was, it was around the same time that all yeah. that happened. They actually did a documentary on Netflix about it. So, uh. um, but it was the craziest thing. It was like, it was huge. It looked like a massive ship flying over the top of us without a sound. And so, so that's a UFO, right? Well, it was definitely, I could not identify it. Yeah. Couldn't have been a balloon. I don't know what it was. It was amazing. It was pretty incredible. But you got in the car and kept going. And that was that. Unexplainable. Unexplainable. So there's my Halloween story. Well, you know, not near as scary as like a bad chart. <laughs> yeah, what about a bad chart? Looking at a bad chart and having to play in front of a really g- good group of musicians, you know. You've had that? Oh, shit, all the time. Yeah. Do you remember any really bad ones when you were younger and you are just Oh, just, just where, I shit the, where I shit the bed? Of course. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah, lots of them. Lots Did you ever ever get kicked off the stage? Like, uh, not kicked off the, st- yeah, sort of. Yeah, you know, jam sessions where, you know, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you go back after that? Sure. Yeah. I want to play. I I got something for you that I think would be a good topic. I think I brought it up a little while ago. Playing rhythm, guitar as a yeah. guitarist, and then say, someone like myself. Playing with someone like you, right? Right. I'm a guitar player that doesn't get to play a gig every day. So I'm kind of more of a part-time player, I would say, right? Now. Now, compared to what I used to be, because I'm doing more the music in the trailer world and TV and film. Where someone like yourself that plays all the time, what annoys you the most when a guitar player will jump and sit in with you, and it might be different levels or whatever, and they play rhythm behind you. What are some of the things that you shouldn't do as a guitar player and you see it happen time and time again? Oh, um, okay. Are we talking about playing duo or playing with the band, or does it even matter? Let's start off with duo. Say you and I start jamming, Uh and I start playing like a a blues behind you. Okay. What are the no's to do? Well, I think the first one is, is playing too loud. Right. When someone's soloing, you should not be anywhere near as loud as they are. Don't make it hard for them to play. You know, that should be your considerations. Let Make it easy for them to play, not hard. First thing is loud, too okay. busy. Right. You know, try and be consistent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically, and don't try to do all your shit. You're going to get a solo too, so don't do all your shit when the guy is playing. Just, you know, and and kind of decide which way you want to play and then play that way. Don't keep changing up. Right. And uh, don't make assumptions. Let the soloist kind of, okay, he's going there. This sounds like it'll go good with that. You right. know, and stay sort of consistent. You know, you don't need to play more than three or four notes in the chords. You know, you don't have to play the roots all the time, you know. But mostly just don't play too much and don't play too loud. Right. So keep uh, it kind of simple. It, 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 it is, you know, because the soloist is going to carry the day. You're right. The rhythm player is just accompanying. And you could probably let them play by themselves and they'd be fine. Yeah. So, I mean, I really, I really, for the most part, don't like it when another guitar player walks bass. That really bugs me. Yeah. Like, I like to play chords when I solo, and they automatically assume, well, I can't play chords now, so the only thing left for me to do is walk bass. Uh So in the middle of a chorus, they'll start walking bass. (laughs) And it's like, 
dude, I was just playing with somebody who was playing chords. And now I've got walking bass and you're controlling the time and you're, you sound like a little bass player. Me, 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 me. Like, well, who fuck wants to play with that? Right. You know, I mean, every now and then do it. That's cool. You, you know, but... I see a lot of cats do that. Oh, all the time with me. They do it because, because I'm a full player when I solo. And there's like, oh shit, he's playing chords, he's playing lines, what am I going to do? I'll walk bass, you know? And I, I, I understand that th- thought process except for, you know, just play a little lighter and play a little less. I'll get back to playing lines and you can mm-hmm. play chords then. I mean, I really don't like it when guitar walks bass, but if, if you do it, you know, do it the last chorus of a solo, that's okay. You know, every now and then, like one tune a set, maybe. Right. Okay, it's kind of an interesting texture, but all the time, no. And guys who immediately go to Freddie Green, what they call Freddie Green, which means quarter note rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. chunk, 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 chunk. Uh, I don't think anybody under the age of 80 knows how to do it right. <laughs> really? Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, that... That generally bugs me because they, they control the time. And the thing is, it's like when I'm playing a line, you can hear the time in it. You know, I don't need a time controller. I just want an accompanist. Right. I want to play with somebody. I don't want somebody jamming their idea of the time up my ass. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. So those are my basic things. And that's what I strive to do when I play. Yeah. If I play and I sense that the guy's really having trouble then I will be a little bit more forceful because I feel like they just need more solid, full rhythm right. to, to ride on like a big wave. Mm-hmm. But that's that I can't even remember the last time I did that. Really. Right. So really, less is more. And I'm not saying don't play bass notes. No. Go ahead and play bass notes if you think that you want them, you know? Right. But don't feel like you have to. You don't have to do anything. You don't ever have to do anything. <laughs> you could just lay out and let the guy play solo, right. and it would be fine. Right. But and if it's not fine, it's their fault, not yours. Right. Yeah. You know, but you want to play with them? Well, you know. Less is more. Generally speaking, let them play. Yeah. And then if they play things, that, you know, you can tell, like, if I, if I play a, an idea that's kind of, hey, what do you think? What do you think? Well, of course you know you're going to respond with some answer. Right. But if I'm just kind of like telling a story, then you just kind of like ride along and listen to it. Mm. And I leave a big space, well, then say something, you know. How about this chord? How about this chord, you know. Because I think, I know for me, myself, because I I just haven't done enough of that style of playing on a regular basis, I would probably, yeah, I would lean towards, oh, shit, I need to fill this up, I need to be really solid rhythm for him where exactly the opposite for that. I'd say it's exactly the opposite yeah right. just you know but, but that that comes back to an even more fundamental thing mm. which is nerves yeah uh, we all get no we don't we know it all people get nervous before they play when they play with somebody they want to impress especially yep. or they're playing for people they want to impress that really makes them nervous but in general I mean, I get nervous every time I play. So, and I think that's just a byproduct of caring. Right. Giving a shit. Yeah. Um, and we, of course, naturally think of of nervous as bad. We have a you know, negative connotation with being nervous. 
And I prefer to, th I try to tell people and I try to tell myself to think of it as, it's not, nerves are just energy. They're just energy. Uh, and so the best thing to do is to try and channel the energy in a positive direction. And the things that really happen when we get nervous that are really bad are we try to impress people. Right. That's a really bad one. That creates negative outcomes. Another thing is we try to take control because we're afraid it's all going to fall apart or that we're going we're to be humiliated. So we take over, right? You know, like not a beat's going to go by that we don't play strongly. And, you know, we're not going to let a chord go by without us playing it because we got to make sure we don't get lost or what, right? That kind of shit. Those two things are like the worst things you can do in music. And to, that's what you want to do when you're scared. To, you that's what you do when you're, quote unquote, nervous. Yeah. And so, and this could be playing rhythm for somebody you respect and it could be playing in a club with George Benson sitting in the front row or, you know, Pat Martino yeah, or, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, or even your peers. And you want to impress them. So with the first thing with impressing, you know, that's just going to, that's going to fuck up. It's not going to work. Because first of all, they don't even really, they're not, probably they don't care that much. And if they want you to fuck up, they're going to hear enough fuck ups to make them happy. You know, so it's like, <laughs> that's a game you can't win. Why even bother playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one, which I've seen so many people do and experience them, is they, they kind of just, just you know, they're like a lockdown. You know, you know, their ass is so tight, man. They're just like, you know, you can feel the pucker, man. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean. They're like little little high pitched farts are coming out every few seconds. You think like, what's that high overtone, man? Man, you got a weird sound. Anyways, but um, and that's. You know, it's natural. You're nervous. You, you think you don't want to. I'm not going to fuck up. I'm not going to fuck up. And so, what do you do? You don't listen to anything going on around mm. you, and you take control of everything because you're afraid you're going to fuck up. And what that is fucking up because yeah. even if you happen to be lucky to have good time and play good chords and all those things in that moment, which no one really is that lucky. If you're that lucky, you should be in Vegas. Um, even if you were that lucky, it would sound like shit. It would be a drag to play with. Right. And, and here you are, potentially, and, and, and I am too. I mean, I play with great students. I'm, every second I'm learning from them. I mean, they're playing great stuff. You know? I mean, yeah, I'm helping them with things they're working on, but damn, they're, you know, they're listening. Think about it. I got 16 people who are listening to records all day, you know, and music all day long. They're bringing that into my studio. I'm like... Listen, I need to listen to that mm. and hear that shit and fig, you know, figure out what it is and figure out how to make it sound good by what I play with it. And I mean, if I, if I just like take over and make sure we don't drop a beat or every chord is played, I don't hear a damn thing they play and I'm not giving them the opportunity to really create anything. Right. So to realize that you don't have to do anything, you know, like if, and this is true whether you're playing duo or, or in a quartet or a trio or whatever. You know, you just you can lay out for a bar for a couple beats for 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 you bars for a chorus. It's okay. 
if I were playing a duel with somebody and, and we played a tune and then they just stopped playing, mm. hopefully they would stop like at the beginning of a chorus or at the beginning of a bridge, you know, what, depending upon the architecture of the tune. They would stop in a good place and not like, you know, because if they stopped in like the middle of an A section, I'd think they were dead <laughs> and I'd worry about them, <laughs> right. you know, like, what happened? Right. But I mean, okay, you come around to the top of the chorus, maybe you hit the chord, maybe you don't, you just stop. Yeah. Well, I know right away, okay, cool. They're going to let me play for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to be great. And then they're going to come in and it's going to be even better. You know, that's like a really cool thing. I would never think that fucking asshole doesn't want to comp for me. Right. Not for a second. Yeah. You know? And if they're, even if they like stop playing and just start snapping their fingers and like I were a drummer or something or tapping on the side of the guitar... I would really welcome that. I would think of that person as a creative person. Right. So it sounds to me like a lot of people in that situation, they, they make those mistakes and fall into those traps of overplaying, trying to take control, trying to make every chord, every beat. I fall into that trap. I don't know anybody who doesn't. Right. Okay? You yeah. know, I mean, there are some guys who I've never heard them do it, but I bet they do. Yeah. Uh, we're all human, and, yeah. you know, and when it happens, we just deal with it. But yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, we wouldn't. Yeah, we would just like play the right things, and you know, and know that we're going to have a solo, and we can play everything we want to play. Mm, yeah. Everything we want to play. It's totally our call. Yeah. Unless the accompanist gets in our way and stops us from doing it. Right. So, you know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And. uh I think that attitude helps create good rhythm playing. You know, I mean, and we, you know, like we had Shane Terrio here. Yeah, he's a great rhythm guitar player in the styles he plays, obviously. Yeah. And you know, he was he said the same thing. I mean, it's it's about being consistent. You know, like he plays a groove and he just nails it down. And he, but he's not taking over. He's just playing this little part. And he's playing it right, and he's playing it like so it blends with everybody, and it's in the pocket, and he's just, you know, grooving. And, you know, that's one thing people don't really realize that when they hear guys comp jazz, because it seems almost so scattered rhythmically, you know, bop, do da, 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 do, da, do, da, you know, I mean, that's what it sounds like to the untrained ear. Mm -hmm. It's not that. It's very much based on this. Bop, bop, da, da, bop, 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 ba, da, ba, 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 da. You know, like every, it's very consistent. Just like James Brown rhythm player would go, da, 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 da. Da 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 da, da 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 you know? Yeah. There is a consistency that that's what makes grooves. So maybe we're not doing that, 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 but sometimes we are. But however we're playing, it's, there's enough sameness to it so that, that not only the soloist can get comfortable, but the audience can. You're right. And, and I don't think. Many inexperienced jazz players ever even think of that. The whole idea of consistency. Mm. Not being 
not being exactly the same, but being consistent as being such an important part of the groove and the accompaniment process. Right. But you would say a lot of new jazz players would feel like they have to keep it really interesting and play all their right, right. technical well, they're, they're, stuff they're, and their changes. But, but that and, is a stylistic thing that the music has gone towards. Right. And in the modern way, it's it's not really the, what we're talking about. Mm. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's not it's not accompaniment in the classic sense. Right. It's almost like a group solo. Yeah. It's one of those group conversations and and when it's done well by the best guys who do it, everybody hears everybody and responds to everybody and it's amazing. There are bands who play at that level who it sounds like five guys playing at the same literally soloing at the same time and it's you can hear every you can hear the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a super high level of player that has only existed on the earth for the last 20 years. You know, they've they've been you know, child prodigies of child prodigies of child prodigies generations of this music has created this super species. And whether or not you think it's great music a lot of the time, that's an aesthetic thing. But the level of their ability to do this is just staggering. Uh, do do I go out and listen to it a lot? You know, it's like it's. I have to be in the right mood for it. It's a lot of work. It's fun to run across. It's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, do you do you have any memories? You of- know, it's it's like, it's, it's you know. Uh, never mind. <laughs> You're gonna go somewhere with that? Yeah, this it's it's just too it's too gone. It's like something in a moped. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? They're fun to ride, but you don't want your see your friend, have your friends see you doing it. You know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there's, there's one I can say, but I can't. Okay, there's yeah, a lot I of know. guys thinking the same thing right now. Yeah, yeah they're not. <laughs> it's just you don't want your mates seeing you doing it. Um, do you have any memories of back when you were coming up with we're jumping in with the amazing plays you got to play with the legends like yeah. Joe Pass and that? Where you were playing and they pulled you up and go, dude, you need to just pull the brake on this or did did they ever do that or sure sure yeah. there have been guys who said yeah it's too much played too long they right. get mad at me yeah man what do you think you're doing here you know right we all took two courses you took five <laughs> who the fuck are you you know <laughs> and i just i'm sorry i was so excited well pay attention don't do that yeah you know? oh okay you know things like that sure that's how you learn though yeah um but has that changed with, yeah, with how yeah, it is yeah. now? People don't do it as much anymore because you don't know who's armed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, true. But less of the legends are around like that that grew up in that atmosphere too, correct? Yeah, there's kind of, I mean, of my generation, there's a couple of guys that still do that. Right. I, I'm one of them, sort of. I do it a little bit, but I don't do it the way the old guys did it. But right. I do it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pull a guy's coat. They will ring the bell, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, I'll, I'll point out, hey man, you know, yeah, you took three courses and why? You know, they're all the same as the first course, right? You were fine with one, yeah. You don't yeah. need to do that. If you take a second, make something happen, right? You know, yeah. if you take a third, then make something happen again. You know, that's all I ask. You know, oh, yeah, okay, you know. yeah. Don't just take up time and practice, you know. Um, 
and and things like that guys you know hey you got to get the tune you don't know the tune you got to get it together man don't you know and that you know that's all the guitar wankers know that's my pet peeve not the melody no, no the tune yeah i mean really it's like we've come to a world where people actually think it's okay to solo on something they don't know like what possible good outcome could happen for there <laughs> i mean it could be luck but yeah. even luck is not a good outcome. Yeah. Getting lucky in music is not a good outcome. Getting lucky in sports and sex and gambling is, but music, yeah, it's kind of a hollow victory. Yeah. Um, you're better off humiliating yourself because you're going to learn something. <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah. And playing too safe is also a, pro a prevalent thing in jazz. You know, yeah, how did how did this music that became so predicated on people playing the wrong notes? I know it's a joke, but it's also true. Mm -hmm. There's you know that's why it's a good joke is because there's truth in it. Why did a music like that become so scientific that people like think that there's only certain right notes to play over chords and playing what the playing the changes is and all these things? You know, it's like, damn. And make it to the point where they don't learn because they're not making mistakes. Yeah. And they're not trying things. And they're not building a vocabulary because they're not experimenting. Yeah. It's like, I'm not saying go and get on the stage and purposely shit the bed just so you have to clean it up. But try to do things. Make something happen. Yeah. Challenge yourself. Challenge the people around you. And for the most part, the people playing with you want you to succeed and will do their best to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty good environment to fuck around in. Yeah. You know, you got to decide, you know. If you want to grow, well, then you got to try stuff. You got to be willing to fail to succeed. That's true in business. That's true in life. It's true in everything, right? Yeah. yeah. What about... um? What about other instruments and with their approach to rhythm? What's your biggest pet peeve there where you see a lot of mistakes there? Rhythm in terms of, you mean accompaniment rhythm? Yeah, like, so, you know, I guess you, drummers, you know, drummers where they just hold it down and, and, and keep it simple and lay it down to drummers overplaying and stuff like that. There's, I guess you know, but at, at any given time that's all good and that's all not good mm. you know and it's there's no real rhyme or reason to it for me yeah sure i love a guy that's got good time and has a great groove but i don't care if he plays as much as smitty smith or if he plays as little as frank devito right you know i mean it feels good and i adjust my playing according to the conversation i'm having and the one thing is true with a drummer you you are the success of the music is predicated on the drummer being good, if there's a drummer. That's just what's happening here. If you've got a drummer in the band, if the drummer sounds good, the band sounds good. If the drummer doesn't sound good, the band doesn't sound good. That's just the way it goes. Mm. So, I mean, Chet Baker said, used to say, it takes a really good drummer to be better than no drummer at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a great one, isn't it? Yeah, and um, <laughs> but I say you know something, and and this I like I play the drums too. Yeah, 
So, I mean, I really love the drums and, you know, like if I talk, you hear me talk about drummers all the time. Uh, I have always paid attention to drummers and how they play and listen to the people that play with them and kind of been aware of the things that make them do what they do. Like if you listen to Elvin Jones, there's certain things that Coltrane did that made Elvin do certain things, you know. I mean, it was an interaction. And you can pretty well... No, and like Art Blakey, you know you're not going to get a fill except for certain times. You know, there's like certain things. When you hear these guys, and when Philly Jones played one certain thing, you know the next thing was this certain thing. You know, I mean, I know all this, a lot of this stuff. Mm. And I can kind of expect a reaction from the drummer. So the way I play is, you know, I mean, and I can pretty much, until like, young kids because now it's like i'm out of it but you know through my 40s when i was playing with older guys or guys my age yeah 50s and still when i'm playing with guys my age if i see them set up and just sit at the drums i know who they've listened to i know i pretty much know what they're going to similar what they're going to sound like and when i know that i know which way i want to play to make them sound good right and it was really cool that i when i saw there's this guy named Steve Lacey, who's a great saxophone player. And he took a lesson with Monk, Thelonious Monk. And he wrote notes about all the cool things that Monk said. And it's, it's on the internet. It's a handwritten thing. You can, like, lessons with Thelonious Monk or something. Right. Steve Lacey lessons. Yeah. You, can, you can Google it. It's there. And one of the things Monk said was, make the drummer sound good. Mm. God, I don't... I don't know many people would actually go into a, a situation thinking that. Yeah. But you're I mean, always thinking, oh, geez, I hope the drummer sounds good. Right. So I sound good. Right. No. And, and what it is, is like, I look, I've always looked at like drummers are sort of like a stick of dynamite. Mm-hmm. And I'm the guy that lights the fuse. And once I get it to go off, I get to ride that big wave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, for instance, I had a couple, there was this, there's this great drummer named Harold Jones, who I used to play with. He lived up in the Bay Area. He was with Count Basie for years and years and years, with Sarah Vaughn for years. Just a great swing of drummer. Right. But he didn't really, as a small band drummer, he didn't, he just swung his ass off. He didn't really go anywhere. And, like, I played with him a couple times, and I got to admit, the first time or two I played with him, you know, I took too many courses. And, like, I was wanting to go to that third course to that next level. Right. And he just... He never followed? He just well, he just didn't... He either didn't want to or, or just didn't think we should or, yep. you know, just like he was, he'd give, you know, or whatever... And uh, I realized how I, it was my fault. I should, I mean, I should have known that. I should have heard that. And I didn't. And I really learned from that. Right. And, and believe me, I had nothing more to say after two courses. You know, I mean, it was great. One course with Harold is more than enough, you know. Mm-hmm. But then there are guys, you know, I, I've played with, you know, played with Elvin. I've played with Danny Spencer. You can play with those guys for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and it just keeps going new places, you yeah. know. So, not that you should, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But to me, if you've got a drummer, then you've got to think, mm. what's going to make him sound good? 
and, and how much room you have to operate in and how dynamic they're going to be and how hard they're going to swing, whether they're going to respond to your ideas or just lay the time down. If they're just going to lay the time down, you really don't want to go too long because that's what you're going to get. It's just going to get a little louder. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, get your head out of your ass. Start if you're playing music with people, play music with people. If you know, if you if you just want to, if you want to think about yourself, then just play solo. Hmm. And especially if you're accompanying people, imagine accompanying yourself. What would you think about that? Yeah. You know, and and then vice versa. If you're soloing, how would you want to be accompanied? Yeah. And everybody has a different idea. You know, there are a lot of guys, coppers, who I don't like the way they comp. And I can find just as many people who love the way they comp. Mm. You know, it's cool. It's great. But if you're on the bandstand with them, your job isn't to love or like. Your job is to play great music. Mm. So just get it together. Right. I mean, you have conversations with people who aren't your best friend. Yeah. You know, you work with people who aren't your best friend. You just figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. I mean, if the music's the important thing, that's what you do. Yeah, I guess if you, if you, if you have your head out of your ass and you're really concentrating on the music, everything else should fall into place, right? Shouldn't be a problem. I mean, I'm not saying that you should play your best every time yeah. or that you'll be like God's answer to, you know, the guitar or any other musical instrument. But you should be able to, once past like the remedial level of getting it out of the case and being able to tune it up somewhat, <laughs> you should be able to make decent music. Yeah. And if you can't, it's because you didn't learn a song. You know, and you, and you got in people's way, and you did stupid shit like playing too loud. You know, it, that's all. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you're gonna like make people want to sign you to a Blue Note record deal, but it's really simple. It's just not easy. Yeah, I guess when you when you hear like Charlie Christian and Wes and that. Those lines they play are just really simple, but so it's, amazing. Well, well in, in the case well, not of... Not all of them, yeah, but, yeah, but, but I mean, when they yeah, set it up, when they, they make, start... They make sense. You're like, that's really simple. What's so hard about that? And then you, you try realize, to do it. Yeah, try to do it. Then you're like... Conceptually, it's simple. Yeah. In practice, it's not easy. It's, not it's easy. hard, you know, and yeah. that's why we work hard. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, both those guys, incredibly lyrical, melodic players... Uh, West to a just a degree that like very few players have ever lived, in my opinion. Yeah, who had a unique sense of developing melody on the fly. Benson was kind of like that too. Benson's a lot like that. Yeah, you know, coming out of that. Benson yeah. has like a million times more chops. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, but Wes just had this... Like, we talk about octaves in Wes, and when the first thing you think about is, you know, him playing Octave. two notes, octaves. Yeah. 
right? You know, like, you know, two B flats, you know, an octave apart and playing lines built on the octaves. Yeah. And, and that's a big part of his style. But that's, when I say octaves in West, that's not what I think about. Right. With Wes, if you listen to him, he'll play an idea and then he'll kind of use that idea an octave away. It's like he's carrying on a dialogue. When you hear his melodic sense, you know, I mean, that, I mean, that's happening before he even gets to playing octaves, because, you know, he usually played lines, then octaves, and then chords. Before he even gets to playing octaves, he's doing this octave thing that, that it, it's totally lyrical. Phrase, listens to it, either plays it again an octave away or responds to it an octave away. Mm. That is some sh- uh, shit right there. Who does that? Most of the people who play jazz don't even listen to what they're fucking playing. <laughs> they're thinking what chord they're playing on and they're just playing some, oh yeah, I'm playing the Mixodonian motherfucker, you know? <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Mixodonian motherfucker. <laughs> when I see Frank Gambali, I think I'm going to say, yeah, that Mixodonian motherfucker mood. I want to know that one. <laughs> you know, I mean, but really, I mean, you'd be surprised how few people really listen to what they're playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would shock you. Because it's just easy to make the chord. Or easier to make the Especially chord. Especially on the guitar. Yeah. Because we have shapes. Yeah. And we're so shape-driven that, that you know, okay, the, and if I just put my hand down here, I got these notes. And then, yes, you do. But if why don't you listen to them? Because maybe those notes will give you an idea to play other notes. Mm-hmm. But no, the answer to that is, well, if I put my finger here to get these notes, and I can put my finger here to get these next notes, then I put my finger here to get that next. And, leave, you know, and then there's the theory guys who think the theory which is just another basic same thing as putting your hand in a place. It's just a different mind game. Yeah. When basically, I mean, you got a guitar around here? Yeah. You don't have any guitars, do you? I have a guitar. You want an acoustic? I don't care. All right, I have a guitar. It's funny how I have a guitar. I don't know why you'd have a guitar around here. Really crazy that I have a I thought you sold them all to support your family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, okay. Like, if, if I'm playing the blues and, and my first phrase is. Right? Yeah. I mean, you can hear, I mean, you could sing to me the next idea, right? Boop, bee, boop, buddy, da, right? You know, I mean, I didn't have to go anywhere. Once I just, luckily, okay, I thought G blues, I put my hand down on the third fret and just wiggled my fingers a little bit. I gave myself a melody for a whole chorus. Right. But, you know, no, guys, this is a G7. C7, G, C, I like to diminish now. I mean, I haven't heard a thing I played. Mm. You know, whereas, you know, that octave. 
to me, that's a okay chorus. Right. You're saying something. It was swinging, and because I was hearing the ideas, like when you think G7, you get you get GBDF, right? Yeah. But when I hear you hear how like already I'm hearing a, a crescendo mm-hmm. and those these are all the god of spank you know you know I mean all of a sudden now I'm hearing articulations I'm hearing dynamics I'm hearing time sh- time shading yeah that all comes from hearing so why not okay I'm going along. I'm fucking playing G blues. Ain't a fucking. I'm just afraid. I don't know what the fuck to do. Boom, boom, boom. I got to play something. Why well, not? It's G seven. I'm gonna put my hand down on a G seven and play some notes. Okay, that's enough. I already hear. You already hear something after that, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was all little fragments, you know, but I mean, boom, I got something. I got something to work with here. Yeah. Boom. I'm, uh, you know, like, that's what Wes sounds like to me, you know, and what made him so great and why the, you know, doesn't do it for me anymore. Yeah. And there's also... I mean, I don't know. Am I teaching too much here? No, this is good stuff. This is okay. all. Uh, it's 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 a Halloween trick or treat. It's, it's you know a what Hall- I mean? Halloween trick or treat show. I mean, another thing is like, particularly in all songs, but the blues is the best thing to work on if you really want to practice shit. Because the blues, like all everything that happens in all the other songs, happens in the blues and can happen in the blues. Right. And the beautiful thing is, that, like, it starts over again every 12 <laughs> bars, so you can really work on shit and learn stuff in yeah. the context of the blues. But the great thing about the blues, just which is a microcosm for the rest of the music, is there's moments of truth. Like, yeah, we could say it's four bars of G, two bars of C, two bars of G, then a D and a C and G, and maybe a D at the end to bring you back. That's your basic 12-bar blues thing. Mm -hmm. But the moments of truth are really that fourth bar before you go to the C chord in the key of G. Right. That's a real moment of truth. What are you going to do there? Something's happening. You're going to G. Now you can just use G seven and go to and just stay there. I mean, it's nothing. But you have other options. You can use a two five one. You can use the half step above. You know, and I mean, there's, there's like there's the, the what they call the back door, the four minor. You know, there's lots of kinds of things there. And so, well, in your solo, do you want to say something about that? First bar. D flat seven. You hear that? Mm. And this is what Josh Smith, you know, some <laughs> old guy showed Josh Smith. <laughs> and and Josh has really, you know, listen to him. He's he, yeah. he not only got it, yeah, he's done something with it. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I decide I didn't want that, but I wanted that kind of F minor B flat 7 going to C sound 
wow, that sounded completely different than maybe a 2-5-1 in D minor G7. That's another that's really spelling it out, but... You know, a little bit more nuanced. So that's like, that was a moment of truth. What am I going to do? It's a moment of truth. What am I going to do as a soloist? What am I going to do as a comper? I can always ignore it. But if, if something happens right there, it's telling us a lot of stuff. It's a moment like we're always listening and thinking, but this is a moment where we're really focused because it's a moment of truth. It's really, it's just, you're setting up that. Right. That we want to, you know, and, and what do you do? You practice all these variations of what to do there. So you learn to hear them mm-hmm. so that you don't think them anymore. You just intuit them. You can feel when somebody else is going to do them. You can hear them coming. You know what I mean? You, you just know when to do them because you, get, you worked them out. And it's right. like it's part of you. The next moment of truth is right again. You go to that four chord, that bar afterwards, what are you going to do to get back to the one chord? Right? Well, the most common thing in jazz is to go to that diminished chord. Yeah. Which takes you to there. Well, you know, there's a diminished scale. You know, uh, you know, play the arpeggio. Uh, There's a bunch of stuff you can do. You know, you can you can use the, you know, that kind of stuff, which sounds a lot like Wes, obviously, Mm -hmm. because Wes did that a lot. but that's not the only thing to do. Of course, you can just stay at C and go back to G, like the regular 12-bar vote. You can go to C minor. You want to hear it resolve, right? You can already hear it. Yeah. Right? All of that stuff. Well, th- that's really cool. So now when I'm comping... sounds like that instead of which is a good sound too or that's a good sound too they're all good sounds Mm -hmm. but it's a moment of truth like but then if I did use C minor C7 to C minor now maybe I'm going to go to G like I could or maybe I'm going to go to B minor is going to take me to the E7, which is that other moment of truth. What's going to happen in that bar after G? Because if that bar goes to the sixth chord, that means we go into a 2-5-1 turnaround. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, we still might go to a 2-5-1, but chances are we're going to go to the 5-4-1. Right. These are all things that, you know, okay, it's, it's, it's just like, like Yogi Berra says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> I'd be like, Yogi, what are you smoking, dude? You gotta make a decision. <laughs> no, uh, but my point is, is like, you drive home every day from some place. You, you know how many ways you could do it. You can go around here. You can go around there. You can go around here. Oh, if there's traffic here, I'll go. Here. You know, that's kind of what this is. Like, yeah. if if we play this E7, we know we're going to some A minor variation. But if we just stay. Probably gonna go. 
you know, but we could go. We're just not that different sounding. They yeah. both function the same way. So, again, that's where you focus in. Like, what's going to happen here? Well, if I'm going to go from the C minor down to the B minor, that's going to go to E7. That's got A minor, D7, G. And I can do that melodically by playing lines, or I can do that chordally by comping, chord melody, whatever. But if I go back to G... Now I'm going to decide, if I'm going to the E, how am I going to get there? Am I going to go down chromatic? Mm -hmm. Am I going to go up diatonic? The old Stormy Monday idea. That's the Stormy Monday, but that's okay too, right? Yeah. Or I could even go around the cycle. C, C minor is here, not a G. C, B, E. Now I'm at another moment of truth. Do I want to go to A minor? Maybe I want to go to E flat. And now here's the next moment of truth, which is the turnaround measure. Do I want to go back to G and maybe kind of like do a 1625 or a 1-5 or whatever? Or do I want to maybe not even go to G and keep the cycle in motion and end up on G at the beginning, which is the real dramatic moment? So I'm coming around A minor, D7, fuck it, B, E, I've got A minor, D7, maybe I'll go B, B flat, A, A flat, right? And all these sound different. That's like chromatic, whereas through the cycle is... You know, I mean, it has a whole different... You know, you can hear that kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, what's happening inside the chords is the same. Yeah. Okay, now... But maybe another one is like... My, my favorite one, and I learned this from Thelonious Monk. I mean, he didn't tell me. I just listened to him. F, A minor, D7. And now at this moment, I'm just going to go up to F. Come down chromatic. Ah, okay. That sounds really cool. D7. And that second bar is the same as the fifth and sixth bar, right? Right. Just compressed. Here I'm at the C7. Oh, you can hear the C dark sharp diminish. G, E. You know, I mean, it's because of all those little studies I've done, the moments of truth. And I can use all of that inside of every song I know. Now, what happens if you've got a... What are you playing with a rhythm guy and he's doing... All that, it doesn't matter. It does, you don't have to follow those chords No, at no, all, and that, that's another misnomer, is that you have to play the chords of the accompaniment. Matter of fact, I suggest to you, if you listen to... This is a really cool guitar, by the way. Um, I suggest to you, if you listen to the greatest recordings, you'll find that 
that never or rarely happens. The guy is accompanying you. He's going to try and catch most of what you do. Mm. But sometimes you're waiting for you're leaving space and he's going to play what he thinks is the right thing to play. Right. And you're going to play what you want to play. And if you play every note that is vanilla to his chords, it's going to sound like shit. <laughs> he's already played that. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is is once you've resolved, which is usually in the first bit of the bar, it doesn't matter what chord you're on anymore. It matters what chord you're going to. I mean, in the style, yeah. Yeah. this style of music. I'm not, I'm definitely not presuming to talk about other styles of music. Right. I hope everybody understands that. Yeah. They're probably not listening anymore. They probably <laughs> turned off as soon as I started pumping my gig. Well, they're at, they're at trick or treat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, you know. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, but like trick or treating, you wear a costume. Right? You go out with a fucking strategy in mind, right? Yeah. I'm the headless fucking horseman here. Right. Right? You yep. know what I mean? You got a you got a strategy. You know how you're gonna ask for the candy, you you you're headless, so you gotta figure out how to see through the fucking collar and shit. You know what I mean? You don't wanna get run over. You know? You don't wanna be dumbass the kids rip off your candy or whatever. Same with music. If I'm playing the blues, you know, we're playing, and it's just in the pocket, right? And now I gotta wait for a whole fucking chorus, shit. You know, I'm kinda got this shuffle groove. A little chromatic turn around, cool. Now, my, my concepts is to stay in that groove. surprise you. Oh, cool. Now I'm back home. You know what I mean? I just wanted to create some shit. I wanted to be a headless horseman for a second. Right. It's like I had a strategy. Then I let my playing decide what to do instead of the opposite. Instead of worrying about all the details and hoping that I would come up with a strategy, start with the strategy and let your knowledge and vocabulary and your fucking personality decide what to do. How about that? I like it. It's easier. It's, don't make it harder for yourself. Make it yeah. easier for yourself. Yeah. And don't be afraid to make mistakes because they're going to teach you shit. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm going to quit there. I love it. That's some good Halloween. You loved it? Really? No, that's <laughs> Sorry, good. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. <laughs> that's some good Halloween trick-or-treat advice. I'm help. I'm locked. I'm a pick, and I'm stuck inside of Troy's guitar. <laughs> I'm a pick. <laughs> I'm a stiff pick. <laughs> I really... I think I'm a big pick, but I think everybody else thinks I'm just sort of a normal sized pick. Were you saying prick or pick? <laughs> Never mind. 
Uh, it's all really good advice, and I think that uh, will help. well, you know, it, it, it's worth what they paid for it. It is. I think that'll help a lot of people that get nervous about certain situations, and take that advice and yeah, don't overthink it. That's, yeah, I mean, you're really going to cool. get better every day. We get better. Yeah, I mean, so I wake up. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. Every day I get up. The whole point is to get better, but the other point is to. However good I am today is to make the best music possible with that goodness. Mm. And not to sit and hate myself for not being better or let other people fuck my head up so that I do worse than is my best. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's having integrity to the music and yourself. And I know this shit's a lot easier to say than do. But it's good to be reminded about this stuff. Hopefully, I need to hear it all the time. I need it helps me a lot. So I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. I'm hope I'm hoping it helps somebody. Yeah. You know, and maybe they'll send a friend to my to my gig. Yeah, right. <laughs> New York, New York. New Here York, I baby. come. I just I was, you know, there's going to be some polar vortex or some shit that you know, like it's going to be like forty fucking below. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll be snowed out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, God, man. No, I think it's going to be a successful gig. Bruce, one more time, where is it? The it's, green room? No, the red room, you no, play no, the green guitar. No, the red guitar, guitar. yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not Christmas, but the red and green thing right? is happening. It's the red guitar at the green room 42. Then, well, hold on, what is it? It's a, it's a theater or a club? It's, it's like a cabaret theater club off-Broadway showcase. Are you dancing at any time in this uh, show? Well, I might be. Okay, good. I'm going to be wearing a G-string. Okay, awesome. Oh, no, the red <laughs> guitar is wearing a G-string. Right. Uh, maybe I will, too. You You've been known to. Yeah. Balzac. <laughs> and this is on November, this is November 12th. No, November 8th. November 8th. Yeah. <laughs> at 10 o'clock. No, at 9.30. 9.30, that's right. November 8th, 9.30. And you got to go, room. I would highly suggest you, you got to go on the site, you got to pick your seat. It's it's one of those oh, kind of seating. joints. seating. Yeah, so oh, don't, awesome. don't, I mean, you can show up, but you'll just get whatever's available. Right. You can pick your seat. Where do they you go pick to your get nose. the seats? Huh? Where do you go to get seats? Uh, the, the, the Green Room 42 <laughs> website. TheGreenRoom42.com. I don't know if they... Just, just Google go, it. Google Green Room 42 and, right. and it'll work. Also, yeah. if, or if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, I probably will be posting about it in the next couple of days. They don't turn up expecting you're going to hear Bruce with level 42, right? Who's... That, Oh, right. That's not happening. It's no, Green Room 42. No, it's, it's, the, 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 is that a new kind of vodka? No, Level 42. You don't know Level 42? Uh, I know it's okay. English it's, band. Oh, it's an English band. Yeah. That is like 80s. Did they it's, play by the that, pound? No, they didn't. <laughs> was a bass player. Oh, cool. Yeah, great band. Um, but but no, don't I'm not playing. That. I'm not playing with them. Okay. It's and they're not going to be there. November 8th. November 8th. This is the next, yeah. Yep. And, of course, if you want to hear a, a cool duo gig, Pasquale Grasso, that was his name. What, who? God, I couldn't believe I, I fucking Who's lost that? that. He's a, if, if you don't, he's a great jazz guitar player. Pasquale. Young, young guy, Pasquale Grasso. And he's um Italian kid, but he's, like, amazing. He won the Monk competition. Wow. He's He's got, like, this Bud Powell thing going. Yeah. It's just shocking. I mean, a 
shocking ability to play and the technique for the guitar. It's just pianistic to the end. And it's, wow. He, and he'll be playing after me at Mesro unless he's on the road somewhere. Oh, wow. That's gonna be, that sounds like an awesome night. And I will probably hang around, of course, to listen and maybe even get a chance to play with him some. So, That'd be badass. Uh, and that you're playing with the, the lady? Uh, Hillary Gardner. She's a great Hillary. singer. And we're actually developing a new show together. Now, you, you talked about this. I didn't know anything about this. So oh, well, you know. You yeah, I hate to talk about shit in case it doesn't happen. It makes me I'm, a liar. But you know? I love the idea, what you're doing with oh, this. Oh, yeah. The, the idea is we're going to put a show together, and somebody out here will probably steal it. But um, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> it, it, we don't know whether we're going to call it The Guitar and the Girl or The Girl and the Guitar. And right it's, in. And it's going to be basically... Like a show, sort of like the Red Guitar, talking about how many, first of all, how great the guitar is with the voice and how intimate it is and, you know, how great that combination is. But also all the great combinations of history, like Peggy Lee was married to a great guitar player named Dave Barber and made a lot of amazing records. Of course, Ella Fitzgerald and Joe Pass, Barney Kessel with Julie London, Barney Kessel with Anita O'Day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, Joao Gilberto with Astrude. You know, I mean, there's just like so many throughout history. This, the guitar and this female voice has just been this iconic yeah. symbol. And we're going to kind of make a show not out of the mu- only out of the music, but talk about the, si- the symbolism of it and make a kind of a cool for want of a better word, a cabaret show, but really more like my red guitar thing, a one-man, two-man, two-person yeah. show. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, to challenge ourselves. Because, like, you know me, I, I mean, I love the music and I love to play it, but I also like to challenge myself in other ways while I'm doing it. That's what the red guitar is about, you know, yeah. telling a story and being a comedian and trying to get people to think about their own humanity and their own relationship with the music and the instrument while they're experiencing the music in the show. So that's kind of, that's really where I find myself going these days. That's good. And it, I mean, I've seen the red guitar. Oh, a million times. <clears throat> a million times now. But every show is different. Yeah. You, it's uh, never it's the good, same. It's good because my memory ain't so fucking good. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you're always taking it in new directions. And I always find myself walking away thinking about wanting to check out those players and researching those guys more, the, the ones that you showcase. Yeah. And just thinking about jazz a lot differently every time i see you do it and also trying to talk and play at the same time which is completely pointless for someone like me to do but it's interesting to see you do that and tell a story and a joke while you're playing all this amazing guitar shit well it's, you know it's a killer it's if you haven't seen it seriously guys if you, you out know there, it's, you it's have like to go see it hey you know it's, it's like great. you know you get we're all tired of people talking while we play right <laughs> i decided i'd beat them to it <laughs> <laughs> you do it pretty well. It'd be easy if you were just playing a, a couple of basic chords, but you, what you're doing is pretty insane and, and telling well, the story at the same time. So, Well, well all I can seeing. say is thank you, and this has been a fun one, and trick-or-treat, everybody. Trick-or-treat. You this may be the last time you, we have you on the show because, I mean, you could go straight to Broadway after this. Right, and I could and get also... get picked up and you're like the next Hamilton. Yeah, and... And, and then it's like you're too big, David. It's the young more likely way. the other thing's going to happen. I'm never going to do another show. <laughs> well, if that happens, you've got a place to come. Shit the bed, you know, <laughs> get run out of town. 
comes back, and that'll be it. We yeah, always and, come and you back know, you know, like like the one thing about Halloween, you got to admit, that what? It's, it's like it's kind of the gateway. Halloween is yeah. what? I mean, a bunch of boys wearing costumes. <laughs> what about girls wearing costumes? Them too. <laughs> but. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get myself in too much more trouble than that. <laughs> Actually, please take this part out. <laughs> just put the scary music on on top of it, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to put a bunch of screams over that. <laughs> yeah. No one will ever hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, boo-hoo, trick-or-treat. Go scare, yeah. go, scare your, go scare your significant other. Yes. Whatever it is. They do it. And, and while we're plugging... My Music Masterclass. Oh, My Music Masterclass. I got nine of them out, and I'm thinking about my 10th, and uh, there might be a chance that I'm going to go with True Fire, just, but just for like the five-minute, uh, I think they call it channel or something, where I'd have a channel and people right. could sign up, and I mean, it's going to cost money too, so come on, just come back here for free, give some <laughs> money Patreon, come to my gig every once in a while, that's all we ask. And landings so take and takeoffs a, is take the a last Skype, one. Yeah, takeoffs and landings is the last one. Right. Uh, and hopefully my takeoffs and landings will be okay on this trip. <laughs> I had a fun. lot of successful takeoffs and landings in New Zealand. Oh, one of them. Uh, oh, really? Wellington. I don't know if you... Have you ever flown into Wellington, New uh, Zealand? No, Auckland only. Wellington, you know, down at the tip of the South yep. Island. North Island. Right on that channel. It's it's so windy. I mean, they're they're actual uh, motto you know yeah. their their logo the logo of that town is wind oh wow and 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 the airport's like right on the sound and uh it's always like a scary scary you know cowboy kind of really? butch pilot thing and and this last time we came in and they were just about to touch down. I mean, we must have been like 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. And the plane like scooted sideways about 30 yards. <laughs> just like just like the wind just took it and went... Oh, wow. And then the guy powered up. And we... No, we're not landing. Really? And then we came around and we went up and had to get back in line with all the other planes again and come for a second try. Oh, I've never been on a plane that's done that. It's... It's not fun. <laughs> no, that's scary as fuck. You know, I don't know. I'm about to break some FAA regulations, but I, uh, I turn my cell phone on. You're not supposed to do that, you know, right. when you're there. And of course, I was close enough to the ground to get signal. Yeah. And I just kind of told my wife, you know, baby, <laughs> we just aborted landing. We're coming in for another one. I just want you to know I love you. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. That's that's some scary ass shit. Yeah, it was some deep shit, man. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I always I don't watch those shows, Seconds from Disaster, and all that kind of documentary stuff. When you get about to get on a plane, that's yeah. Not healthy. Um, anyways, but I made it. I'm getting back on. It's like you know, <laughs> shit. Since that, I've taken like five planes. You know, right? That whole tour. But you was it you that said you were hanging with a. Uh, a guy from Boeing at the bar or something, and he was laughing because the the amount of shit they put those planes through. There's just there, it's crazy how much stuff they put them through. Yeah, how how much they can take. And he was laughing at just the little shit where you get panicked about. Yeah, yeah. 
I was thinking about that when we were coming in the Burbank the other day and we hit some wind. And oh, yeah, because of Santa Ana's. Yeah, the got, I thought, oh, shit, here we go. It was only a little bit, but it was enough to meet the hold my cheeks very tightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, on that note. On that note, hold your balls and say trick or treat. <laughs> Turn your head and cough. Happy Halloween. And uh, hopefully we'll see Scotty soon, too. So, yeah. All right. Good night, See Irene. You all next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs>